thank God for announcements this morning, giving us an opportunity to, to sit. <laughs> uh, and after the worship, you're coming up here to stand again. I think you should also have preachers sitting down while preaching. Eh? <laughs> and you know, Jesus in the Sermon of the Mount, he actually sat down. And yet he spoke with authority while sitting. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, trust everyone is well this morning. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a privilege, it's an honor to, to be invited uh, back to, to come preach. Uh, so thank you. I really uh, do not take it for granted. And uh, I have been, I just reviewed that the last time I was here, like the last two times I was here, I was actually preaching from Matthew. And it seems like I've been preaching the chapters in reverse. And I think last time I might have done Matthew chapter 9 or 10. And, and today I'm going to do Matthew chapter 8. So I'm continuing with the reverse. So it's like a Matthew series in reverse. Maybe after a year when I come back, if I come back, <laughs> um, then I'll do Matthew chapter 7. Uh, that'll be awkward because that's in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, this morning my theme is, is on faith. Uh, yeah, I was just encouraged by everything that has happened this morning in the singing uh, we're, we're just singing of, of that God's faithfulness and, 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 and us being encouraged in faith as we're praying for healing, uh, for friends. And um, yeah, the subject on faith is one which, of course, is, is one of the pillars in our, in our journey as Christians. You know, these three remain, faith, hope, and love. Of course, most of the time we, we focus on faith and, and love and <laughs> we neglect hope. Uh, but, but yeah, also hope is an important one which uh, gives us that hope for the future. Um, hope in Christ's return. Uh, we, we believe in, 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 in Jesus' second coming. And all this turmoil we see in this world, we know that, uh, well, we, we just visit us in this earth. And, and, and Christ's return is, 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 is going to happen and he's going to come back and reign as king. And, uh, and, and that's our hope. But today my subject is on, is on faith through um, Matthew chapter 8. Um, it's going to be a bit of technical, but I'll try and be very simple. But as I was reading through Matthew 8, I saw three types of um, people or three types of categories, as it were. And, uh, and I want to highlight those three. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll even say three types of, of ways which we, we draw close to the Lord. And let's read uh, Matthew 8 uh, from verse 1. Um, it says, When he had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. Yeah. So obviously Matthew already, yeah, one can pause and make a comment because... We know that this is just right after uh, the Sermon on the Mount from chapter 5 to chapter 7. And in the Sermon on the Mount, it spoke of how there was, he was at the mountain <laughs> and, um, and there were great multitudes. And now it says, now he had come down from the mountain. But of course, some commentators would, would say that Matthew was just being creative in assembling all these things together, that it was not necessarily in this sequence. But I still love the idea that, you know, what preceded these events of healing was the sermon. And you see the pattern, how he arranges his, his, his writing, very creative writing, that you, know, you precede the, 
the teaching first, then uh, the demonstration of, of, of the kingdom. And it's, it's, it's sort of a structure you see introduced at the very end of Matthew chapter 4, uh, where it speaks of that division that Jesus went out preaching, healing, and delivering people. And then Matthew doing exactly that, showing us the teaching, the healing. And, uh, and now we're about to read on the healing in, 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 in chapter 8. Verse 2. And behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, make me clean. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing. Be cleansed. Immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you tell no one, but go your way. Show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Now, of course, when if you remember Matthew's gospel, uh, it has uh, an orientation towards the Jews. Uh, he, he wrote his, his gospel primarily focusing on the Jews. And you can see already uh, the this, this uh, ideas of Jesus saying, go show yourself to the priest. That's, that's following the Jewish customs if you're now cleansed of, of leprosy. Uh, indeed, in a way, this confirms that Jesus was not coming to destroy the law, but actually to fulfill it. He was not saying, oh, you know what? I'm Jesus. I'm king. I've healed you. You're, you're fine. He actually says, go and see the priest. I actually found that quite fascinating that Jesus... Uh, did want to continue to, to follow those uh, ideas which are found in the Jewish law. Um, and, and, and this man with leprosy, he, he did not come saying, heal me. He said, cleanse me. Because uh, this, of course, the idea of uh, you know, being unclean, ceremonially unclean and all of that. So you can pretty much pick up the, the Jewish ideas in here. But what I want to highlight for us in this first section where we see healing is that this man who had leprosy when you read it at face value I mean I know we can go deeper and all of that but I just want to take it at face value he came to Jesus and said if you're willing you know oftentimes when, when, when Jesus saw say great faith or, or some type of interesting faith, you'd say, go, your faith has, has made you well. Go, your faith has healed you. But, but in this episode, we see if you're willing. And, and Jesus says, well, I am willing. And, and of course, when we speak of God's faithfulness, is that even when we come to Him with a statement like, God, if you're willing, He remains faithful. It's like, well, He is willing. He is willing. But I want to highlight this first category. I spoke of three categories earlier. I want to highlight this first category where we go to Him out of desperation. Where we're desperate for something. I would even say it's a faith of desperation. That I need something. I need healing from the Lord. I need, you know, this, this man was an outcast. He had leprosy. He, he, I mean, I, I imagine he was probably not part of the crowds who were receiving teaching from Jesus. He probably had from a distant rumor that there's this Jesus. Of course, when Jesus tells him that, uh, tell no one, uh, it means that it was even at that period where Jesus was still trying to keep his miracles a bit undercover. You know, he started a bit undercover before he, he let everyone know that he's the Messiah. Um, 
I wonder why he did that. Very interesting. But what we see here is, yes, this man, who he can't be part of a community, he can't be part of a people, he's, 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 he's cast out. And I think it would be correct to assume that it was probably a Jewish person himself. Uh, he, he knows the, the loss. And I would want to categorize him also as what I would call he's in the, he's, he's, he's in the inside. He's a Jewish person. He's not a Gentile. Uh, I think it would be correct to assume that he, would, he was a Jewish person who knows the laws. In, he speaks about being cleansed, you know, uh, ceremonially being cleansed and all of that. And now here is a Jewish person who's cast out. You know, sometimes you, you can be a child of God. You can, you, you can be this person who you've been cast out. You, you know, your situation looks like it's, it's bad. Your situation looks like it's desperate. And for that reason of desperation, you're like, you know what? I'm going to go to God and pray. A desperation type of thing. Where we come to Him because our situation we've hit rock bottom and sometimes when it's the opposite when we are not hitting rock bottom well, I don't know what's the opposite of rock bottom um, I need to find the opposite for that uh, but nonetheless when, when, when life is, is good when you know, they call it the smooth smooth life they call it nowadays <laughs> um, when you're cruising you know do you come to the Lord is he God only when we're desperate? Or is he God through and through? In times of joy, is he God for you? Do we come to him and say, you know what? Uh, better is one day in his courts than a thousand else. Or do we come to him to praise him? Do we come to him to stay? You know, like, like Mary uh, stayed at his feet while, while Martha was busy. Do we come to him and, and, and just linger in his present? Or do we come to him because life is looking tough because my, the situation is, is looking bad and I'm desperate for him. I think, yeah, I'm just encouraging us that we ought to be a people who seek God's presence through and through. doesn't matter what our situation is. It must not be out of desperation that we look for God. And now when we continue in, in, in the next segment... We see this beautiful category of faith, um, which is a centurion's servant being healed. And, and notice that in all of these things, the healing happens. Like Jesus is always faithful. He's, he's faithful. It doesn't matter uh, whether you come in with little faith, no faith, or great faith. Um, later we'll read of his disciples who he said, Oh, ye of little faith. Uh, because they were afraid of, of the winds when they were in the boat. But yet he rebuked the storm. He rebuked uh, the waters to, to be calm. And that shows that Jesus is always faithful all the time. God is faithful. Now, in, 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 in verse 5 it reads, Now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy 
that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word, and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority. Notice the also. It means he identified that Jesus is a man in authority. He's like, okay, you know what? I'm also a man in authority. I'm a, I have authority. I'm, I'm a centurion. I say to this one, go, and he goes. To the other, come, and he comes. To my servant, do this, and he does it. He, he understands how authority works, but he identified that Jesus has authority. He identified that Jesus is not just any other rabbi. He, he's not any other teacher. This one, he's, he has authority. He believed that Jesus could just say the word. You know what, Jesus, you don't need to come into my house. Just say the word. I, I, was, I often used to think that when he said, I'm not worthy for you to come, under, uh, to come in my house, is because um, maybe he's a sinner and, and all of that. And so studying this in, uh, deeper, it's actually because he too knew Jewish law. He was a Gentile. This story can be picked up again, well, not this exact story, but this exact theme can be picked up again in Acts chapter 10, where we see uh, Peter being sent to the house of Cornelius, a Gentile, a non-Jewish person. And Peter had to be prepared. You know, Peter needs to be prepared three times. Um, you know, his life seemed to revolve around three, denying Jesus three times and Jesus restoring him. Do you love me? Do you love me? Three times. And now he saw this vision. Peter get up, kill and eat. And it was the unclean insects and all of that. And, and, and he refused. And it happened three times. But he was being prepared to go into this Gentile house. And now when he has went there and, and now his Jewish friends are asking, Peter, what were you doing? How is it that you were associating and you were eating and you were in the house of a Gentile? And in, in, in chapter 10, uh, verse 28, you, you read there that Peter responds, he, he's, he's giving his defense, what really happened? He did not really want to go there, he, he knows he must not go there. And, 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 and he mentions the exact words that it is unlawful for, 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 for us as Jews to go and, 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 and meet up with the Gentiles. And that's what this centurion man was speaking about. But it's quite interesting that as a Gentile, as someone from the outside, he was able to recognize who Jesus is. He was able to recognize and, and identify the authority of Jesus. So much so that, I think, back to Matthew's creativity, if you read this same version in, in the Gospel of Luke, the centurion actually never spoke to Jesus. He was at home. He sent servants. You can read it in Luke chapter 5. He actually never, and some would say, oh, it's a contradiction. No, no. Matthew understands that uh, when you send someone in your name, it's as good as though you went yourself. And, and in a sense, he's summarizing this story, but it remains true. It remains true that the centurion spoke to Jesus through the mouth of his agents, through the mouth of, of, of his agents, uh, of his servants. He spoke to Jesus. And, and in, in a way, it, it's like a pun. It's a pun in the sense that uh, this guy is he, sending his, his servants to say, I know, it, I know how authority works. I say to my servant, go do this. He does it in my name. And in the very way, those are the servants who are speaking to Jesus. And Matthew records it as though it was the centurion who did the speaking. And, and as you read further... 
Jesus begins to, to, to speak of, 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 of how he was, he, he marveled. You know, the Bible says that when Jesus had it, verse 10, he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith. Not even in Israel. Such great faith. This is a Gentile. This is someone who's in the outside. Friends, we can be in church and yet, and, and yet not be identified as those who have great faith. We can be uh, going to church every Sunday and then not actually be those who are having great faith. And what is great faith? For me, what I see here, great faith, and this is the second category. First one, desperation. We come to Jesus, desperation. Notice how this man was not even coming for healing for himself. It was for his servant. That's as good as saying for his employee. For his servant. Probably for his slave. You, you know, when, when you have faith, you begin to, to, to do things not just for yourself only. You begin to, to, to stand uh, on behalf of your friends who are sick. And, and cry out to God, as we saw this morning, for your friends. Not just for yourself, not just for, 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 for your loved one who you live with at home. But you begin to have a, a, a cry out to say, God, may you heal my friend. Great faith identifies who Jesus is. And this is the second category, identification. Wherein... Your faith is based on who God is. On you believing the deity of Christ. On you believing on the Lordship of Christ. On you believing that Jesus is who Scripture says He is. On you believing that Jesus is alive. That changes the game, guys. That changes the game, friends. Because you now believe that Jesus is alive. I was speaking about someone who was born more than 2,000 years ago and you're believing that he's alive. You're believing that he's alive. Identification. Do you identify? You know, where, where, where we begin to identify that God is God. That God is alive. That God is real. And, 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 and this is not me coming to God because I, I have needs anymore. It's me identifying that God has an authority, identifying that He is who he, who, he, who he says He is, that He is faithful, that He is healer, that He is, he is Lord, that He is the Creator, that He is who He says He is. You identify who God is. And that is a truth in your life that you capture in your heart that you know what? These things are real. I, I, can't, I can't run away from it anymore. I identify this truth. And imagine what happens when you identify that truth. What is, what is, what is crime in, in Joburg? What is being shot and dying when you know that, you know, what, what are all these things? When you know that you are, you are visiting on earth, you don't live life of fear anymore. You, you, you live a life of freedom because you identify that you're walking with your Christ, with your, with your Savior, you're walking with your Lord. You know that these things shall come to pass. Now, what is, what is ESCOM? I see you guys are having some backup batteries. Now, what is, what is ESCOM? What is all this uh, politics and this are doing that? And, and, you know, sometimes we get so overwhelmed by these things as if we, we serve a dead God. I have a message for you this morning, church. God is not dead. Yeah. God is not dead. Amen. 
He's alive. And, and when you begin to identify who he is, how he's sovereign, how he's powerful, that, that should change your mindset. That should change how you do Christianity. Identification. This, 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 this man, this centurion, a Gentile, he identified. You know, you can be a, you, you can be a, a, a Gentile, you can be a, a, a sinner, but if you identify, you know, a good example, which, which I, I recently picked up, was Rahab. Rahab is one of Jesus' ancestors, according to the, uh, the tree, genealogy of, of Christ. And yet, she was a Gentile. She was not a Jewish person. And when you read in, in, in Joshua, uh, it's a very fascinating story. You can go read it in Joshua chapter 2. I, I was tempted to read it today, but sake of time. <laughs> but, but when you read it in Joshua, it's, it's a fascinating story where she identified that these Israelites serve a living God. That these Israelites, their God is not like ours. Actually, let's read it. It's, 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 it's just a beautiful read. You know, it's, 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 a, it's a beautiful read. So Joshua, I think Joshua comes before Judges. Uh, so this is after, you know, uh, Moses has departed and now we have, we have the new leader. Joshua chapter 2. Like when I, when I was reading Joshua chapter 2, I just began to laugh at the, just the beauty of of the words, like they just felt prophetic, like, wow, this is being said by someone who's from the outside, not even a Jewish person. Okay, so this is uh, Rahab hiding uh, the spies, right? Um, now Joshua, son of Nun, sent out two men from Acacia Grove to spy secretly, saying, go view the land, especially Jericho. So they went and came to the house of a harlot, a harlot, a prostitute named Rahab and lodged there and it was told the king of Jericho saying, Behold, men have come here tonight from the children of Israel to search out the country. So the king of Jericho sent to Rahab saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who have entered your house, for they have come to search out all the country. Then the woman took the two men and hid them saying, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And it happened as the gate was being shut, when it was dark, that the men went out. Where the men went, I do not know. Pursue them quickly, for you may overtake them. But she had brought them up from the roof and hidden them with the stalks of flax, which had laid in order on the roof. Oh, it's quite interesting that she's technically telling lies here. <laughs> um, and yet, we, we are, we're saying she was a woman of faith. <laughs> um, then the men pursued them by the road to Jordan, to the forts, and as soon as those who pursued had gone out, they shut the gate. Now before they laid down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, and this is the part which I wanted, really, but I wanted the context. 
Then verse 9. I know the Lord has given you the land. That the terror of you has fallen on us. And all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to the two kings of the Amorites and who were the two and who were on the other side of the Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. <laughs> Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. It's amazing. Like she, she just identified that you, you know what? Your God is the God in heaven above and the earth beneath. And, and, and for me, that just points to the fact that identification, when you have faith in who he is, even when you're a prostitute, a bad woman with faith is better than a good woman without faith. <laughs> but I mean when you read in scripture you just see it it stands out she was telling lies but she had faith in Jesus we have to have faith and this is exactly what I'm saying is exactly what Jesus says when he says that and I say to you verse 11 that many will come from east and west and sit with Abraham east and west that's us the Gentiles right the, 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 the sinners of the world, the, the people who are non-Jewish, will sit with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, but the sons of the kingdom, who are the sons of the kingdom? The Jewish people. Well, not all of them. Will be cast out into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So that's hell. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And this servant was healed that same hour. I love this story because it just points to, to just great faith. You know, Jesus described it as great faith. Um, now I'm going to fast forward and read verse 23 from verse 23. Um, now when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea so that the boat was covered with waves. But he was asleep. Then his disciples came to him and awoke him saying, Lord, save us. We are perishing. But he said to them, Why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. So the men marveled, saying, Who can this be, that even the winds and sea obey him? Imagine, they're still asking, who can this be? <laughs> you know, they've not yet identified. Of course, later on, Peter finally gets it from heaven, and uh, he says, you are the Son of God. You know, when, when, when Jesus was asking, who do men say I am? Who do people say I am? And yet they're still wondering, who can this be? Who can this be? 
So this, this third category is, is probably worse compared to, to the leper. Uh, so I just want you to, it's not in the right order, I would have wished it, but this is the order that God gave us, which is good. <laughs> but I, I want us to see the interesting uh, order of being in the inner circle, and that's the disciples. You know, they, they have Jesus right there in the boat, inner circle. And yet Jesus says, oh, ye of little faith. You know, you can be very, very close. And yet Jesus says, oh, ye of little faith. And, 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 and this category of faith is the one which is based on fear. Wherein you reach out to God because you're afraid. Not because you, 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 you believe and trust, but because you're, you're afraid. Afraid of what may happen. You come in with doubt. Faith, uh, uh, fear and doubt, you know, they're almost similar. Inner circle. O ye of little faith. Very, very inner circle did not have faith. And, and then the next uh, progression, which is technically the first one, was, was the leper who was also Jewish, right? So in the inside, but outcast, but Jewish, but was able to go with, with desperation because he, he, he had some belief that Jesus can rescue him. And on the very outskirts, it's almost like in reverse, on the very outskirts, the Gentile had great faith. I found that to be amazing. That even if you are, you know, you've been going to church for all your life, born and bred and raised and, and all of that, you know, uh, you can be quite inside, but we come to Jesus without identifying who he really is. Only coming to Him for what He can do for us and not for what He really is. And don't get me wrong, He can do those things. Because everywhere where we read here, He did do those things. He did heal the leper, He did heal the centurion's servant, He did calm the storm because He's always faithful. He's faithful. <laughs> And now my encouragement for us this morning is, is to really think about how, how our faith is based on, what our faith is based on. What, what is it that, that, that makes us be believers in this God? Are we looking for, for, for just a safety net, a, a checklist that, you know what, I must go to church, check, you know, I came to church, I'm fine. Is it a checklist? Is it, I just need some insurance, an insurance policy, just in case this, this Bible teaches are right, just in case. Just in case Jesus might come back, I just need to be safe. I need to say this in this prayer. I need, to, I need to be baptized in water. I need, I need to do all these checklist things. Just in case. Is it an insurance policy? Or do we identify that Jesus is Lord? And when we identify that he is Lord, then the section which I skipped, the cost of discipleship becomes possible. We become to obey him. We, we, we obey him whatever it is. Whatever it is, we obey him. If it means, he says, go there, we go there. 
do this, we do that. We obey him because we have identified who he is. And then, of course, that means even as we begin to, to pray for healing, we can, as we identify who he is. So I'm just trying to set the foundation for us. Not so much that we, we can't now come to Jesus when uh, the, our boat is being shaken. Of course we can. Of course we can. We can come to Jesus when uh, our friends are sick. Um, our employees are sick. Our, okay, I don't have employees. I'm an employee. Um, <laughs> um, you know, when, when our colleagues are sick, we can come to Jesus and, and stand in the gap for them. That's what the centurion did. So it's not wrong to, 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 to seek God for these things. But we need to set our eyes on him. We need to be sure that we identify who God is. And our faith is based on who he is. Believing him. Believing him. And part of the stuff I skipped is, is, is uh, the, the demons. They know who he is. You know? They say, hey, son of, son of God, please have mercy on us. They, they, they give him instruction on how he must cast them out. Because they know who he is. And, and they're even more feathered than the Gentiles, right? Yeah. And the other east away from west, feather away. And, and they know that he is God. They know that he has authority. And I want to encourage us this morning to, to, to have that revival in our hearts. To, 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 to have that faith in him for who he is. And I think everything else be, will begin to just open up and make sense. Because we're trusting and believing in who God is. Identifying that he is the king of glory. He is alive. He's, he's the king of kings. The Lord of lords. He's our savior and he's our Lord. That is the creator. Believing in who he is. And trusting that he's sovereign, he's all-powerful, and he is in control. He has not left uh, the world to run itself, guys. No, he's, he's still in charge. He reigns. He's alive. And we have our faith and hope in him for who he is. And that will bring us to, to, to correctly worship him. When we begin to worship him, knowing who he is. We begin to not have a, an insurance policy as, as our Christianity, but our Christianity becomes a relationship because we now see him as someone who's alive. Amen. Yes. So, Lord God, we thank you for just your word this morning, and I pray that uh, this seed that you've planted in all of us, even in myself, Lord, that becomes something that we begin to live our lives looking to you in full obedience, Lord God. So we surrender to you this morning and we pray that, Lord Jesus, may you have your way in our lives. We thank you that you are faithful always. Mm. That even though sometimes we may come to you out of desperation, out of fear, you remain faithful. And I pray, Lord God, that this morning we are all revived to, to, to look to you as Lord, to look to you as, as, as our God who, is, who has authority, who is in control. We pray for our faith to be risen this morning. May you may revive our faith this morning, Lord God. 
that we may always look to you. We lift up our eyes to you. We know that our help comes from you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have died on the cross and raised to life for us, Lord God. We thank you for, for the gift of salvation, Lord God. And I pray that uh, we, we continue to live our lives looking to you. Looking to you, Lord God. We look to you this morning, Lord Jesus. Pray a blessing over this, uh, this uh, church family that uh, it continues to grow in fellowship, in, 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 in love with one another, Lord God as they continue to learn and grow in you, Lord God. In the name of Jesus, amen. amen. amen.